You're listening to the Holy Hot Mess Mom podcast. I'm Heather, and I like to treat this podcast like we're just old friends sitting around in our jam jams with no makeup, a messy bun, and probably some sort of bodily fluid on our shirt from a child. In this show, we chat about homemaking, simplifying mommyhood, Jesus, and everything in between. This is a place where we embrace that life can sometimes be a crazy, beautiful, hilarious mess. I want to give you the encouragement, support, and some practical tips to help you thrive, even when some days you might feel like you're riding the Holy Hot Mess Express. So grab Grab a cup of coffee or wine if it's been one of those days. Relax, let's chat. Hey, so first things is I just want to say thank you for all the awesome and amazing feedback on my last two domestic church episodes. It has been extremely filling for me to realize that when I sit in this room at the YMCA and talk to myself that God can really use um, simple not extraordinary people like me to touch other people's lives and to hopefully point other people towards him. There was some saint that said, um, probably Mother Teresa or something, but basically said like, let yourself be a window that others can see Christ through. And so I really hope that I'm able to do that in some way, shape or form around here. But it's, it's just been wonderful, the messages I've received. And adding on to that, I am not an Instagram influencer, probably never will be. I hope that I can use that platform to like get out and reach other people. And even if that's just one other person, then that's great. But I have never really had like messages (laughs) shot at me from any of my stories or whatever, you know. Um, I was actually really surprised because what I'm talking about today, I posted about it last Friday on my Insta stories. And honestly, I didn't save them to my stories and I wish I would have. But anyways, I liked my highlights. But one of the things that I was talking about, I got like 42 replies, which I was like, what? Holy cow. And I was really afraid to open those messages because I thought this is controversial. I'm going to offend somebody. I only received one person who didn't say it was still extremely charitable, but who wasn't, who wanted to play devil's advocate. I was extremely thankful. But then at the same time, I thought, I sure hope this touched some people in my audience that maybe don't believe this point of view and could maybe open their hearts to seeing the different sides of this issue and the issue that I'm talking about. And am I preparing myself for some backlash? So the issue I'm talking about is birth control. Want to put a disclaimer, going to be talking about marital intimacy and things like that. So if you've got kids listening, put in some ear pods, ear pods, earbuds, whatever. (laughs) If you are in the car and you're blasting it, like put a movie on for the kids or whatever in the back. But just know that this is probably not the best for anybody young teens and below, probably, you know. This might be something that would be good for young women discerning their vocations and maybe about to go to college and stuff, but regardless. So the issue is birth control. So Friday, I went to my OBGYN, um, not because I'm pregnant and I'm going to go all into that, but, um, I've been having some health issues. We're just like weird hormonal with my cycles, can't lose weight, extreme exhaustion, things like that. And some lower abdominal pain. And so they referred me 
because I, I have a history. I contracted HPV while I was in college. So I have a history of pre-cervical, pre-cervical cancerous lesions, um, which have never reoccurred. But, you know, they're always kind of watching me. And then also I had that um, really big tumor taken out in 2013. Tumor that they thought was a cyst. For years and years, I would go to the doctor with abdominal pain. They would do an ultrasound. They'd see a cyst and they'd say, it's a cyst, no big deal. Well, it was growing and growing over that time. And so eventually, once we moved to Louisiana, I went to Dr. B and she ended up taking this out. And when she went to take it out, it was solid. It was not a simple cyst. It was a tumor. Ended up being benign. But because of that, I really trust Dr. B. And I trust that she's going to look into things and not just write me off. So when my primary care doctor referred me to her, I started to get really worried because Dr. B is Catholic and I've seen her at mass. I want to say Christmas mass or Easter mass or something like that. I don't know where she is in her spirituality. I don't know where she is in her faith, but I have seen her at mass. She's from Argentina. South America's very largely Catholic. And last time I was under her care, I got on birth control. When we were on birth, I was on birth control to quote unquote handle the cyst. After a month of that, it didn't work. And I was on birth control all prior to that. From the time I was like 17, I think, for getting heavy periods. So 17 through 25. And tumor comes out and I'm figure out what novenas are. I'm going to have a whole nother episode on novenas, but it's nine days of prayer. And I do this nine days of prayer afterwards because I had finally begged my husband enough to let us try to get pregnant because I wasn't sure what was going to happen with our fertility because of the tumor and blah, blah, blah. That was when, honestly, kind of superstitiously, I went to confession thinking, God, if I confess all my sins to you and promise to not do it again, if I do this, you know, then will you do this for me? And the do this was get pregnant with a kid. But that was a huge turning point in my faith and my spirituality. And I have not used birth control since. I will tell you, I was on hormonal birth control for two months to try to regulate like this really weird situation, but it was while my husband was gone. And so there was no inherent issue in the marital intimacy part because of it. So anyways, I started getting really nervous about going back to see Dr. B because it's like I've been gone from her care for four years. And so what? I'm going to come back. And the first thing they're going to suggest if I have a cyst or heavy periods or anything, the first thing they're going to suggest is birth control, right? That's the first thing they always suggest. My number one point was I don't want to be on birth control. That's against my religious convictions. Um, but I needed to, I really prayed because I wanted to have a charitable way to say that when the issue came up. I didn't want to be attacking or snooty or, you know, holier than thou. I just wanted to charitably get across the reason why I felt that's not something I slash women of the world should be doing. Number two, I don't believe in masking the symptoms or treating the symptoms. I believe that we should try to figure out what the problem is and actually handle the problem, you know? So it was kind of twofold. And I posted on my Instagram stories as I'm walking into the building. I'm kind of like, all right, this is the first time I'm coming back here since my big conversion. And, you know, I, I said no birth control, no interfering with natural fertility. Um, from my confession in during Lent of 2013, and since then have not done that. We've practiced um, natural family planning that I'm going to be totally honest, failed because I did not have, failed for multiple reasons. Natural family planning doesn't fail, we fail. Those methods work, but it's when you don't follow them and it contains a lot of abstaining, which is hard to do in a marriage. And if you don't abstain when you're supposed to abstain or you don't track or you forget a day to track or whatever, that can lead to 
pregnancy. That's something that when you do natural family planning, you've decided to give to God. And I'm going to add another disclaimer, and I'm going to be totally honest here that this is extremely hard to admit to people because I do have this Catholic platform that I sit upon to try to bring others to the faith. But I'm also very open about the fact that my husband is not Catholic. Not yet, hopefully. Pray for that. But right after the twins were born, my husband had a vasectomy. And if I'm being totally honest, that did a lot of damage to our marriage. Of course, five weeks after having newborn twins, I did not, you know, if you asked me if I wanted to have another child, I'd tell you you were crazy. But deep down in my soul, I know that that's something I've surrendered to God. I didn't take him to the appointment. I actually got in the car and left. I took all of the children and ran away to be at my mommy's. Lots of tears were shed about that. But beautiful thing about Christ, um, my husband still does not see any fault. And um, so we really hashed that out while we were on the domestic church retreat. And if you listen to episodes 48 and 49 of the podcast, I talked about the domestic church retreat. We had to admit something that we have done that has hurt the other person. And we had to admit something that they have done that hurt us, that we are holding on to resentment. And then we had to pray and let go of that resentment. And I did. So there's grace that comes with that. And I pray that those graces eventually lead to a reversal or something, or maybe an adoption. I don't know. I want to put that disclaimer because I don't want to seem like my marriage is perfect or my life is perfect or my faith is perfect because this is a very difficult thing in my life, in my faith, in my marriage. So I am not claiming to be holier than thou. And I'm always going to admit that, especially here on the podcast, because nobody needs to have anybody around them that <laughs> that makes them feel like there's no way that you can become holy. You know, we're all just working for heaven. Anyways, I go into this doctor's appointment and Dr. B comes in and I'm just like, oh, here it comes the birth control, the birth control, here it comes. Now, mind you, she's seen me at mass wearing a veil. So I was hoping that would kind of <laughs> give off the, um, I've become extremely devout vibe. She was discussing with me and she said, what are you doing to avoid pregnancy? you've got to be so tired. And I said, yeah, I'm tired. And I said, you know, I'm very convicted and devoted to my Catholic faith. And I don't believe in abortion. I'm not abortion. Well, I don't believe in abortion, but I don't believe in birth control and I won't use birth control. She didn't push. And I said, but I've got to be honest. My husband had a vasectomy in April of 2018. And that's been hard on us, but he's sticking with his decision because he feels God has made him the head of this family and he needs to make the decision to provide well for his family. And she said, okay, I know you and I know you well, like, let's talk about this. So she said that she, as a provider, will not perform abortions. She doesn't believe in killing babies. And she, as a provider, will not prescribe birth control that prevents implantation. She will only prescribe birth control that prevents ovulation. And she said, there's science behind that. Like the hormones can help regulate women, blah, 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 blah. You know, if they're not ready or don't want to have another kid, or if there's a safety issue, then, then why is there a problem with that? Why, if the science says it doesn't stop implantation, it just stops dropping an egg, that's not killing a human. So what's the issue with that? I took all my vitamins before my huge iron vitamin that I'm taking now that I'm a little bit anemic and I'm feeling better with vitamins and they feel like they're stuck in the back of my throat. So that's me drinking water. Anyways. And I said to her, thank God for the Holy Spirit, because I am not this eloquent on my own. I said to her that I totally understand that point of view. And I can see how if you're looking at just the am I killing life or am I not taking life aspect, 
that's totally valid. And I said, but if you believe in God, then you either have to believe four things about him. Either Jesus is Lord and everything he says and everything he teaches is true. If you believe everything is true but XYZ, then you don't fully believe that he is Lord. You either believe that he's a legend, that he didn't say that he was God, that other people eventually made up the story about him being God. And if you believe that, then you have to think of the millions of people who have died defending faith in somebody who is a made-up legend. There's historical evidence of him. There is prophetic fulfillment, you know, so he's either Lord, he's legend, he's a lunatic. So either he said he was God and he was not, but he actually believed he was, then he's a lunatic. Or he's a liar. He said he was God, he knew he wasn't God, but he was fooling everybody. And considering how many of the 11 of the 12 disciples post resurrection died for the faith, died an unnatural martyrdom death. So as a Christian, when you sit down and you say, okay, what do I believe? If you truly believe God is who he says he is, then you truly believe God when he says who you are and who you are is a child of God. And that's why we pray things like the mealtime prayers. We, we consider everything as a gift from God that we are then offering back to him. That's why the offering during mass, you walk up with the fruit of the earth and the, the wine and the work of human hands in the bread and the wine and the work of the human hands in the financial offering that we make. And we sacrifice that and offer it to God. God then transforms those good things and gives us back so much more than we ever could. Just like when Jesus turned the uh, two fish and five loaves to feed the 5,000, we bring our littleness and we surrender it all. We offer it all to God and God takes that and multiplies it and makes it amazing. So when you learn who God is and who God said you are, then you learn that the basis for all sin is lack of trust, pride, or lack of love. Okay, so lack of trust is when you don't believe God is who he says he is or God will keep the promises he said he has. Lack uh, To have pride is lack of humility, which basically is, God, I can do this on my own, or lack of love. And lack of love is selfishness because love is selfless. So when you get to the spiritual aspect of birth control, it violates all of those. It lacks trust in God because you are telling God that you do not trust him with the size or look of your family, of your finances, of your whatever, and that you want to control it yourself. You're lacking humility by having pride because you are telling God that you give your whole life to him except for this area. God, have everything. Please, God, cure my mom of cancer. Please, God, you know, keep us safe on this road trip, but you're not allowed in my bedroom which is the most central part of unity between a man and a woman. And the most central part of creation is creating more. So you've violated your trust in God. You've violated humility by having pride and assuming that you know more and know better than God, the God of the universe and the God who made you. And if you think about yourself and the gifts you've given to this world, don't you just thank God that he made you and he knew that the world needed you and how are we to know better than that? And then the last one is selfishness. 
it's selfish when you take birth control because you are putting the wants and perceived needs of yourself over others, whether that be something superficial like taking vacations or saving money or paying off debt or whatever it is. When you learn that if you trust and love God as the God of your entire life, the Lord of everything, you have to surrender. And when you surrender, the fruitfulness that comes from that is amazing. When we surrender our measly two fish and five loaves to God and you let him handle that, he creates out of our littleness big grand things. And my biggest example is when natural family planning failed for Brandon and I, he had finally, um, we got a tax return back and we said, we're finally going to take a honeymoon. We're, you know, we're moving soon. And so we have our parents nearby. We'll drop the kids off with the parents, the big kids, and we'll go on a honeymoon. We ended up going to Cancun and it was a wild and crazy. There was a lot of alcohol and things and partying and we had friends there and everything. And I was in my fertile window, but who is going to tell their husband no when they're on their honeymoon finally after seven years of being married and or six years or whatever. But so I wasn't going to tell him no. And to be completely honest, we were in a kind of weird spot with our marriage and our intimacy with each other. Um, so we ended up, you know, coming together as a married couple. That's we're going to say it. And two weeks after we got back from vacation, I had a dream that I was pregnant. So I woke up in the morning and I took a pee test. My period was not due and it popped up blaring pregnant immediately. And so I was like, whoa, oh man, did I calculate it wrong or whatever? Well, then from that day on, I started having dreams we were having twins. And sure enough, when the ultrasound came, Charlotte and Caroline. So I fought with God because I thought, why would you do this to me? I have been so devout to you. Twins are going to ruin my marriage. Twins are going to ruin my relationship with my husband. I haven't slept in years. I don't, I'm dreading having these babies. I don't want them. I actually told God, I don't want this. And it makes me want to cry thinking back at it because those two little humans have been the greatest blessing I've ever been given in my life because I finally surrendered. And I told God, just take this and make it your goodness that you know your will for me. And you know it a lot better than I know, than I could ever know. And I started realizing that these are his children that he's entrusted to me. And how could he make a mistake in that? He's given me every single tool in my personality to be the parent of these children, even if it is four kids, four and under. And that none of those graces are going to come a moment before they're needed. And so basically I was telling Dr. that either you trust God with everything in your life or you don't. And there's no in between. You can't say, I trust you with everything but my the size of my family. And that's what I posted about. And I asked Dr. B when there was a time in her life when she finally surrendered and the situation when it was finally given over to God, when you finally realize you don't actually have control over any of this, then how amazing the outcome came of that. And it's all about surrender and trust and then love. And we don't even have to talk about the science behind how birth control can screw with hormones or fertility after us women being on these synthetic hormones for 15 plus years before we get off of them to try to have kids. And then 
We all wonder why fertility is such an issue nowadays. We all wonder why marriages struggle, but it's you're not giving yourself fully to each other. You're not giving yourself fully to God. You're saying, God, I'm going to go to mass and I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to worship you and I'm going to listen to praise music and I'm going to talk to people about you, but, but out of this part of my life. And then we wonder why God might delay some of our prayer requests or other things. It's because we're not truly trusting him. You know, we trust him to perform miracles like curing people of cancer or saving people from brain injury when they have an accident or something. But we don't trust God with the most simple, most pure form of creation, which is creating. And Dr. B told me a story about when she was pregnant with her first kid and pregnancy and then how she wanted this beautiful natural birth because she's an OBGYN and that's what she wanted. And she didn't get it. And she was really struggling with the fact that she was about to have a C-section and she finally let go and surrendered to God. And she just remembered the God moment of the perfection of the way that baby was brought into this world. And she finally trusted. And so you can say God created the people that created birth control or whatever, and that it's helped me with my hormones and XYZ. But Again, are we masking the symptoms or are we treating a problem? And then spiritually, are you telling God that you trust him with everything in your life but that? And I think that's the root of it for me is I pray that even with my husband's sterilization that can be be reversed, so let's pray, that I still fully surrender that to God because I have forgiven my husband. I have been to spiritual counseling with a priest about it. I have told God that he has complete dominion over this area of my life. And if he chooses to have a miracle happen that we get pregnant anyways, I will welcome that with open arms. And if he chooses to change Brandon's heart, he chooses to change my husband's heart and he opens up to adoption. Maybe once we get out of my fertility window or whatever, or chooses to reverse whatever it is, I pray that maybe our story can help other people see that, yeah, Having more kids is scary. Having six kids is scary. But when you trust God with that part of your life, he will provide in all the other areas. So maybe you're not going to get to go tour Greece or eat completely organically or pay off all of your loans as soon as you wanted to or live in a huge big mansion of a house. You have to live in a smaller house with your tons of children God has chosen to trust you with and bless you with. But you can rest sure that that's where God has called you to be. And therefore any struggle you could ever have because you've trusted God with your entire life, even your entire eternity that he's going to provide. At the end of it, Dr. B was in tears and she hugged me and she said, I never looked at it in that point of view. I just looked at it in, we're not killing a baby. So what's the problem? And I think you have to remember that the Catholic church exists as a vessel to guide people to Christ. And then when people have found Christ to get to heaven, but if you are limiting our God and putting him in a box, then you're worshiping a false God. You're worshiping a God that appeals to anything you want and you are not surrendering your life to him. That surrender is the key to faith. Faith is just trusting that God knows what he's doing and that he will keep his promises. So, you know, there's people that are willing to throw their lives at God and ask him to take dominion, show his miracles, but they're not willing to let him have control over their fertility and their life. And that's not saying that natural family planning doesn't work, but I will tell you, I know a lot of people 
who like me, when natural family planning doesn't work because we failed for one reason or another, that they ever want, once that baby is earth side, that they ever want to give that baby back. You know, that the fruitfulness, even people that have had crisis pregnancy and have chosen to have those children, I guarantee you, you're going to be hard pressed to find someone who regrets bringing life into this world. And then I'm going to dive in even deeper and talk about the issues that birth control can lead to in a marriage. And it's these spiritual issues that you don't realize are there, but it's the selfishness of the issue. And the selfishness is when a man does not complete the act in the way that can make a baby. I'm trying to be cryptic because I don't want to like flat out say. But when there is no completion of the act in the woman to make a baby that could make a baby, then again, you are telling God you want control of this area and you don't trust him with that area. And therefore, you are not fully giving yourself to your spouse. The fruitfulness is what's lacking. A marriage is supposed to be unifying and fruitful. And when you take out the fruitfulness, that does damage. If you take out the fruitfulness, why not just masturbate? Because it's all about pleasure anyways. Why not just go sit and watch pornography and get your kicks? Why not just go do it with anyone left and right? Because it's an act that is meant to be unifying in every single sense of the word between man and woman. It is the most vulnerable you can be with somebody else. And they give themselves to you completely and you give themselves yourself to them completely. And in the act of it, you are both completely giving yourself to God and allowing him to create life if he sees fit. And there is unity in that. There is a spiritual connection between spouses, just like I talked about in the domestic church episode about the spiritual unity that there is when the intimacy of sitting in on your spouse, praying to the God that made them. There is an intimacy on a spiritual level about the unity. That is why the marriages of the Old Testament were not, you were betrothed until you consummated that marriage. And then there was a feast for like a week afterwards because of that unity. That's why when a priest is celibate, it's not just some random rule of the church. It's because the celibacy is a massive sacrifice because you have chosen not to give yourself fully to anybody on this world but God. And when you get married and you choose to give yourself fully to another human, you can't withhold that aspect of it. You can't withhold that unity because if God chooses to give you a child, then you've been unified. You have a physical proof, just like all of the sacraments that God has given us, physical proof of inward graces. There is physical proof of a human being, you and the love of your life created that shows the inward grace of a spiritual unity that God has given us. And when we stop that because we decide we know better than God or because we just want selfish pleasure, there's a division that happens even if it's small. And I will tell you the hurt and pain I felt in my life from giving myself to other men before I met my husband was spiritually very harmful, especially whenever I met my husband who waited for me. It's like you're giving little bits of your soul to other people and then they get to do whatever they want with it. And a lot of times it's just discarded. It's always discarded unless it's the person that you marry. Because once you marry and you're in this Trinitarian bond, you, your husband and God, then like nobody, that giving of souls becomes like this mutual trading. It doesn't become a taking. And when you're in sex just for that, it can become very hurtful 
to know when you realize you're not giving everything to your spouse and you're not giving everything to God, that's not what God intended for sex. God intended it to be completely unifying, completely self-giving, and completely surrendering to each other and to God. And when we stop that, we're telling God we don't trust him. We're telling our spouse that we don't trust God. And we're saying that we know better than God. And that is the root of all sin. That's what sin of Adam and Eve were. They didn't trust that God was what he says he was and that the truth and the things that he said. But then we also are, have pride that we know better than him. We're going to eat this apple anyways, because we don't believe that God's going to fulfill his promises by killing us if we eat this apple or giving us death, whatever. So that's kind of my spiel on all of this. Cried on a podcast, but not the first time. Let me look at my notes, make sure I said everything I wanted to say. Boop, boop, boop. Yep. Literally made uh, my notes were sex is meant to be good. When you take out fruitfulness, it becomes selfish. Bigger issue is we all need to surrender to God. <laughs> Super intellectual notes. So really glad I got this podcast reported, Re- recorded. Going on 34 minutes, I'm sure I'll cut out some of my ums and uhs and pauses and stuff, but I'm really glad I posted this. If you want to come chat about it, I would love for you to comment on the Instagram post for this episode. Send me a message. Um, I did have somebody who asked me, what if it's not unifying? What if one spouse doesn't want to have any more children? And I will say that is still rooted in selfishness. How can be you be unified as a couple, if one person just wants to have sex for pleasure and the other person wants to surrender their sexual life to God. Um, And that's not easy for people to hear. And it's not easy for me to hear because I'm in a marriage like that right now. And um, I have forgiven, remember, Um, but it doesn't mean that it still doesn't hurt a little bit. So with that, if you like the episode, please comment, interact, leave comments on the blog, holyhotmessmom.com slash podcast. And you can find the episodes or head over to Facebook or Instagram, leave me a message, email me if there's anything you want me to talk about. I really would like to interview somebody about natural family planning because I basically um, did my research online and obviously failed at it with the twins. But I would love to maybe talk about the different types of natural family planning and how it's so good for a woman's body to understand how she works because fertility is not a disease and pregnancy is not a disease and we need to stop treating it like that. If you really like this episode, also um, leave a rating and review on the podcast and wherever you listen to podcasts because it helps other people find the podcast and maybe get messages out to them. So I hope you have a really blessed day, rest of your week, whenever this episode airs, and I will talk to y'all soon. You're listening to the Holy Hot Mess Mom podcast. I'm Heather, and I like to treat this podcast like we're just old friends sitting around in our jam jams with no makeup, a messy bun, and probably some sort of bodily fluid on our shirt from a child. In this show, we chat about homemaking, simplifying mommyhood, Jesus, and everything in between. This is a place where we embrace that life can sometimes be a crazy, beautiful, hilarious mess. I want to give you the encouragement, support, and some practical tips to help you thrive, even when some days you might feel like you're riding the Holy Hot Mess Express. So grab Grab a cup of coffee or wine if it's been one of those days. Relax. Let's chat.
This episode is over, but there's lots more content for you to check out on my website. Head over to holyhotmessmom.com for all sorts of downloads, posts, and ridiculous stories, as well as the show notes for today's episode. Don't forget to find me on Instagram and Facebook at Holy Hot Mess Mom, as well as in our exclusive Mama Facebook group by searching Holy Hot Mess Mamas. That's Holy Hot Mess, M-A-M-A-S, so we can connect, share, encourage, uplift, laugh, and be virtual best friends. Do you have a topic or something you want to hear about on the show? Shoot me an email at podcast at holyhotmessmom.com. I'd love to hear your suggestions. If you like this episode, would you do me a huge favor and head over to your podcast app and give us a rating and review so that more ladies can find our podcast. The more great reviews we have, the wider we reach with our support, tips, laughs, and encouragement. I would really appreciate it. Until next time.